You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This morning when Hannah came up, she started her prayer or her time of worship by saying, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's really the message today that I want to share with you. Um, It's found in Hebrews, if you want to come with me. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews uh, 12, uh, verse 1, starts by saying, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us draw off everything that hinders and, and the sin that so easily entangles. So easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. In another version says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, of, of faith. I've discovered, uh, thank God on time, that you can only look in one direction at a time. You know, it saved my life. <laughs> I'm glad I've discovered it. If I hadn't discovered, I probably wouldn't be standing here. So I've discovered, and probably you have as well in life, that you can only look at one direction at a time. You can, for a moment, you know, we drive, we've always driven long, long distance, John and myself, for the last 33 years, we've crossed the continent many, many, many times. And, and when you're driving for long distances, it's like you're, you can even fix, but you're not looking. And often it's like, John says, you know, during the night, when one slept and one drove, it's like 20 minutes, they can go by and you don't know if you were sleeping or you were awake. I don't know if you've had that sensation. And even though you're fixing, you're actually not fixing. And, but you've also, we've also discovered that you can, you know, when we go to Scotland, we love going to Scotland. Well, can you believe it? The man is, the man is Scottish. <laughs> And when you're Scottish, you're Scottish. There's nothing else in life. <laughs> so when we go to Scotland, often it's like you're driving and you know, there is so much to see. There is so much to see this lake, locks, this hills and the sheep and the, and the grouse and whatever and the, fe- the, 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 what they call all those birds and pheasants and, and you can just tell the driver for a very short time, oh, look at that, look at that. And what, what, what? Oh, stop telling me to look. I can't look. I can't look. Because you, it's actually, uh, your, your safety would be, would be uh, jeopardized. You, you are in danger of uh, being distracted. Distraction, you may, you may not know this in, in the lighter things of life, uh, of life. The distraction is okay. But actually, distraction is a danger. If you are in charge of something very, very heavy and very important and very, that, that actually affects the safety, distraction is a danger, is a big danger. And we have discovered, probably all of us, that you can only look at one place at a time. Now, I want to go to Psalm 123, because sometimes even when we think about you know, this verse and, and the encouragement of God this morning to fix our eyes on Jesus. Even when we hear it, even when we read it, we may not fully understand what it is 
what it means to actually look to Christ. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because one thing is to look, one thing is to say or to hear to look, but one thing is actually looking. So I want to, I want to see two areas, how we can look at something, but what the, the scripture actually means. And in Psalm 123, it kind of gives us a real picture of what Christ, what God is actually meaning. And it starts by saying, I lift up my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hands of their master, as the eyes of a female slave, look, slave looks to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us mercy. It is only... It is not only about looking, it's not only about fixing, it's how we look and how we fix. Because as I said, you can have your gaze fixed, but actually you've lost the connectivity or the cognitivity of the, those processes in that moment. And you're fixing, you're looking, but you're not looking. And there, is, there are two ways to look. Everybody looks. Glances, scans, peeps, peaks, views. Sights, casts, the eyes. Everybody can do that. You can go in a place and look, look, and glance at something, or peep at something, a peep at something, and, and that's it. But that's not looking. That's not what the scripture is speaking about fixing. Now, the word fix, aporao, which is a Greek word, means to consider attentively, to process mentally what you are actually looking at. That's a different uh, connotation. That's a different uh, meaning. You know, when I, was when I was growing up, I was learning so many things with my mom. I, you know, I was brought up in Italy. And in Italy, that's what you did in those days. Now, maybe it's different. But I remember uh, my mother is an incredible knitter. She, you know, she, she, she was always there. We were six children. She was always with her needles out doing something, socks and scarves and you name it. And I, of course, I wanted to learn to knit. So she, I said, well, come here. She gave me, I was about maybe seven or eight. And uh, I sat next to her and I had these needles and she had a needle. And you had to look to her hands and, and it was like, look at you. Look how mom does it. And, and it's like, you had to fix your eyes on how she did it to repeat and recreate the same movement and the same loops. And of course, you know, I was there and then my brother would come and my eyes would go and she would, you know, in those days, <laughs> now you can't do it, but by the way, we've never been traumatized. We're still, we're still alive. We're still alive. I think my head got more beatings than a drum. Everything you did, if you were making dog, Listen, <laughs> if you were so, listen, and you know what? We're still alive and we are happy. Praise God, you know, praise God. But it was like slap, concentrate. Then you did it and then your eyes are slap, concentrate. And it's like, I, still, I think I still got some. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I learned to knit, but not like my sister. She's a right knitter. And I wonder why to this day. And uh, I think I put it down to I wasn't looking as much as my sister was. 
I used to have piano lessons. I did five years of piano lessons, and it was fantastic because my teacher, was, she was such a lovely lady. I think she was more in, ped in pedagogy than actually in music teaching because she was so caring and so loving that every time I went to the piano lesson, she had a, a bowl full of chocolate on top of the piano. And of course, sorry about this, but as I play the piano, the eyes are supposed to be on the... On, and I, you know, now if I could talk to this teacher, I would say, you had the wrong methodology altogether. <laughs> I mean, fancy putting a bowl of chocolate on top of a piano in front of kids. You're trying to teach piano. That doesn't work, does it? So you had the music in front, and this is me. The music is here, but the eyes are <laughs> I am not a fantastic piano lesson. <laughs> Piano, uh, piano player, but my sister is a fantastic pianist. I wonder why. I think she looked more at the music than I did. Yeah. The eyes, uh, you may think it's, um, you may think it's, it's um, a joke or it's funny, but I think today, if you look at your life, you are probably doing today and you are what you fixed your eyes most on. That is what the, pro the product of your life or what you have today is probably the result of the things that you most focused on. And that focus and that lack of distraction, that attention to the hands of, of the, the master has made you who you are today. And the Bible speaks about, it gives us this incredible picture of as the servant looks at the hand of their, our mistress, it's not just looking vaguely and just scanning the picture is looking intensely at, at how to do the work. And I just want to share with you about um, why the recommendation today? Why am I talking about this? Are we not uh, serious and committed to Christ? Why do I have to talk about guys as a church of Christ, let us fix our eyes on God? Am I saying that we, you are not a serious Christian? And you should be reminded of this. Are we not mature, responsible adults that we know what we should be doing? Do we not have the promises of God that he will keep us and not allow our foot to stumble? Why am I talking about this? I'm not talking about because you are weak. I'm not talking because you're not a good Christian. I'm not talking because we are religious. I'm not talking because we are, I'm trying to prove you a point. And to be honest with you, I don't have to prove anything. I'm not trying to impress. I'm not trying to tell you something that you are not doing or you are bad. No. I'm telling you because I have learned that life has got a wandering nature. A wandering nature. I want to take you to Matthew. A story that I love. I've shared it with other people before, but... I love this passage. Matthew, come with me if you can. Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. It's called the parable of the wandering sheep. The parable of the wandering sheep. Now, many of us, many of us know this story and this parable as the parable of the lost sheep. But actually, it's not true. It's not true. I don't know how... The, uh, how the 
the terminology was changed, how it has been labeled as lost. But the Bible, when you read the story, it doesn't talk about the lostness of the sheep, but the nature of wandering of the sheep. And it says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep that about the 99 that it did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. I've discovered or I'm very aware that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, not because of an innate weakness or not because we haven't grasped fully by faith his sacrifice or not because we are not totally committed to him, but because life has got a wandering nature. Life itself, life itself has got a wandering nature. We often quote this, as I said, as the parable of the lost sheep. But today we are going to rename it the wandering, the wandering bah. bah. Let's all say because so it's, this is didactic, so things stick in your brain. Yeah, we're not going to call it anymore the, the lost sheep. We're going to call it the wandering bah. All oh, everybody, the wandering bah. We are wandering. There's something in us, there's a nature in us that it wanders. It's like life has got this wandering nature. Remember that life, in life, that there will always be an element of wandering. A wandering personality. You know, you might be a great follower of Christ, but your personality is a wandering one. There are people that never settle. They're wonder. They have to see everything. I wonder what this, I wonder what that, I wonder, wondering. There's a personality that never stays put. There are some students that come that I like to pin them on the desk because they had the wondering. There's the personality. Somebody goes past and they're curious. Maybe you're a person that the very personality works against you because you're always wondering about something you are not able to focus fixing your eyes even in the practical times even in your study times even in in the tasks that you're doing there is that personality that always seeks to wonder about oh, wonder what you know it's like there are some people that windows are no windows to let the, 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 the light in. They have to see the world outside. You know, I'm a person that windows to me mean a fantastic opportunity to let the light in. But then there is somebody else. <laughs> there are other people. Hallelujah, somebody shouted. There are other people that actually the window is not to let the sun in. It's to pick out. <laughs> wrong with that? No. But the danger to allow a personality that becomes actually the, the mean to take you always on the next bit will become an obstacle to fix your eyes on that which is important during the day. So watch 
the wandering personality, but then we can have the wandering attitude. It's always, yeah, but... You know, the wandering attitude means to always wonder how things are going to be. Always the critical part, that wondering. Somebody has done something in one way, like Tyler has preached, I am preaching this morning in one way, and there is always an attitude of, yeah, but I wonder if what he said. Wonder. Be careful with the wandering attitude. Amen. That wandering attitude will always take you to, I wonder where, uh, yeah. Then the message is here, but yeah, I wonder what that actually means. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder how many people are going to come. I know I can talk about these things because it's there isn't it? in the engines of our lives. There can be a wandering attitude. Always wonder about how things really are and what they should be like. And be careful. A wandering circumstance. You know, circumstances can bring us to wonder. Because life presents us things that will distract us. So circumstances, and of course, I don't want to dwell on each point. A wandering day. Have you, had, have you ever had a wandering day? One of those days that you have not concluded anything at the end of the day because there's just been something wandering about it. It's like I do this, but actually... Uh, and it has presented itself. What about wandering thought? That takes... It's like a seed that takes root and then you just concoct everything around it and build something around and it was actually a wandering thought. Looking at the passage, when we look at this sheep, when we, we look at the sheepy bar, <laughs> we call it sheepy bar, we can see uh, how does she get, you know, she's in, with a group of friends, she's, a, she's from a, probably with family members, she's uh, probably been born in that group, and how does she end up going off on her own? Is it because she's rebellious? Is it because she, she has to prove something? No. It, it often doesn't happen for that. It could be a need. You know, the sheep can start by just looking at greener patches. You know, they, they look down and, and they're eating and they see green and they will follow that green patches. And, and they look at their need, they're hungry, they need it, and they'll continue the journey. And, Maybe they're looking at the comfort and satisfaction of the moment, the peace that they're finding, oh, I found something good. And before they know, they are away from where they should be. Let us be careful when our needs lead us. You know, needs, our own needs can lead us. Do you know that? We may have a need, and it's a valid need, it's an important thing, but not, that need can become the thing that leads us. And it becomes the, the, the actual distraction from fixing our eyes on Christ. The need becomes greater than the provider of the need. Then it could be distraction, you know, an attitude of too much curiosity. The, the sheep can be just curious, you know, maybe... It's, it's uh, uh, finding something, is looking at something, and maybe the sun is beating more in the place and, and is distracted by just what is in front of her. So it's not a, a wrong attitude. It's just a natural thing that happens to her. And, you know, sometimes destruction can come 
by too much curiosity, as I said before, seeking reasons, explanation. There are, there are many people, many of us, and I have to be careful in this, that are very rational and will always look for a meaning in everything. But you know, I found that something in Christ, in, a, in my spiritual life, you just got to take it as it is. Don't try to, you know, get into, some of us are very deep. They're so, you, you know, we're so deep that we don't even know who we are. You know, it's like deep, deep. And there's this wandering almost by introspective uh, re, uh, search and explanation. And we have to give a reason to everything. And, and we have to be rational. And the existentialism of our life and the existentialism of God's words and what it means in relation to this and in relation to history. And before you know, you think, hey, wow. All I know is that Jesus loves me. You know, it's like you're freaking out by your own death. Have you ever been there? Sometimes I say, right, and then I get up. You know, three or four days ago, I've got to say this. Three or four days ago, I'm having a meeting with two of uh, the, the personnel, and, and we're trying to resolve a, a, a very simple, if I told you what it was, you would laugh. But we were trying to, to work out a system, I'll tell you, so, so you laugh, so we have a happy day. Um, we were trying to find a system for how to wash up mugs. <laughs> now, I know, I know, a Bible school, a Bible school, really? I thought you thought about deep theology. No, 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 I'm, I'm hands-on with some really, really simple stuff. You know, three of us, and because the three of us are... A bit deep, too deep, too deep. We spend about an hour and a half. And at one point, the Holy Spirit came on me. <laughs> and I said, right guys, this is crazy. We are, we, we are not getting anywhere with this. If John had been here, after five minutes of this, he would have said, Max, Come on, just get a grip. Do what you have to do with it. And we had a right laugh. We got up. But hey, sometimes that's a joke. That, no, it's not a joke. But sometimes we can get so deep in ourselves that that itself becomes a wandering. A wandering. And it, it distracts us from where we should be. Maybe sounds, maybe this, this sheep, this sheepy bar heard the voices of the other Bah, getting further and further. Have you, have you ever been in a place where you're falling asleep with the TV? And it, that sound is actually, oh, the further you go from it, the more, oh, inviting it is. And maybe the voices, the water gurgling in the brook, the wind hissing in the undergrowth of the muirs. Wow. Very poetic. John and me go to Scotland a lot, and, and uh, the sheep, we find sheep in the most crazy places. We, the, the hills are covered with hundreds of them, thousands of them. If you've been to Scotland or some places like Scotland, there are hundreds, thousands of sheep. But there are some that you just wonder how they got to the places where they go. Some of them, they just stand in the road looking at you and you can go past with a car because they have wandered on the road and the other ones are nowhere to be seen. Then you find some, sometimes we've had to save some because they've gone in places that they can't get out. 
Very interesting. And there is an instinct, there is a nature to life that is actually a wandering nature. Life has got a wandering nature about it. What are you looking at at the moment? Or what are your eyes fixed on at the moment in your life? The same way you're looking at something physically, your spiritual eyes are on something. And if you, they are not on something, they will soon wander away. They will soon find a way to entertain themselves, to actually fill that uh, void. You know, there are many ways we can look and there, is a, there are distractions that can come in our way. In 2 Samuel 11, we read about David, King David. King David, if, if there was somebody focused, my goodness, David, he, he focused on a kingdom that didn't even exist yet because he was the builder of the kingdom. Saul had been a king, but, but it, it, it's, it, David is known as the one who established the monarchy. And he saw a kingdom, he, he, he acted in a kingdom when he wasn't king. So imagine the vision you have to, he had a, he had a vision for people, he had a love for people. And he, God says about him that you will not build a temple because you have been a man of war, your hands are covered in blood, you, you, you have focused solely to, to deliver my people and you have made such a good job. So we can talk about a man who, boy, was he fixed on something. And then we find in 2 Samuel 11 where David looked to what was not his to look at. He lost his focus. He lost his focus. We know his sin. And, you know, there are many definitions of sins. And I'm not a sin. And I'm not going to go into it. But one of my own definitions is all that which is not made for me. That is my definition of sin. All that which is not being made for me. Is not being made for my body, for my soul, for my mind to be engaging on. Because it wasn't part of God's plan. That is sin. And in that moment, David sinned. Let's call it, he sinned. Was, did he sin because he was rebellious to God, against God? Did he sin because he didn't know the theology? Did he sin because he was a weak man? No, not at all. There is nothing like that in David's life. He sinned because he looked at something that his eyes, that it was not his to look at. And in that moment, he looked in the wrong place. He focused in the wrong place. In Genesis 19, we, we find the, the story of Lot's wife. And Lot's wife looked back and lost the focus to save her life. Uh, David lost the focus to live in integrity, in holiness, and in his standing in Christ, in, in God. Uh, um, Lot's wife loses, looks back and lost the focus to save her own life. You know, she had a mandate. They, they received a mandate. Run, don't look back, save your own life. And you know, Lot's wife looked back and actually lost her life because of the lack of focus. There are many passages in the scripture. I've just taken a few. Second Kings, Naaman speaks about Naaman who was a leper. And, and he receives a, a particular order. Go, if you go and, and, and meet with the prophet and uh, he prays for you, you will be healed. And he goes. I mean, he travels very far to go. And you can see that intentionality, that obedience, 
that focus, I'm going to go there. But when he gets there, because the, the Bible is very clear, the Bible says that as he was traveling for, for, uh, for the days, he, uh, he comes to the place where, to the house of the prophet, and the prophet doesn't come out, and he tells the servant, go and tell him to go and wash himself seven times. And the Bible tells us, you can read it, the Bible tells us that Naaman became so angry. He said, I thought, I thought that the prophet would come out. He would shake his hands over me. He would pray for me and I would be healed. And the expectation, the focus, and Naaman then, the servants had to convince him because he was ready to leave. He was ready to sacrifice his own healing, abandon his healing. And lose his healing. But the servant said to him, if he had asked something more difficult, would you not have done it? And he did it. He did it. Thank God he did it. But you know, he got so close to lose his healing. I'm talking about these things because, you know, I know that the people of God, as the people of God, we need salvation. We need to save our own life. No, God saves it. But we, this is, this is not a joke. This is about actually a very serious uh, situation where sometimes it's our healing, sometimes it's our salvation, sometimes it's our integrity, sometimes it's our, our uh, standing and, and, and the responsibility we have over others. For example, in my, in my situation, is, is influencing other people. And the risks are very high, the cost is very high. And you know, we can lose these things. We can actually lose these things because our eyes are being distracted. Naaman was about to look at man and be distracted from his healing. You know, sometimes we can be distracted by looking at others. He thought that somebody had to act in one way. And we see that difference and we are distracted by the wandering of our mind and start to say, oh, but look, this person, that person... Be careful. I'm trying, I'm telling you as an encouragement rather than a, um, a reprimand just to fix your eyes on Jesus. Every day I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. Every day, every day there is an opportunity to distract me. Even this morning you come, you, you may speak to somebody and immediately there is a distraction that comes about and, a, and, a, and the heart that wants to wander. And not because anybody's at fault, but we, we have to, you know, I, what I love about the passage is let us fix. We can always, we can only this, do this together. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us help to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because actually sometimes we are a distraction to one another. We, you know, we come to church or we, we are in something and you'd rather say, hey, come on, don't look at so much. Look at Jesus. Oh, I've had this difficulty. Oh, really? Let us, let us, let us. It's not you do it because I'm an expert and I do it. No, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Student, do it as a group. You can only do it as a group. I have seen it before. Groups dynamic. When one or two is distracted, other people start to get distracted. So not only a responsibility to yourself, but responsibility to the body of Christ, to the class. Do it as a class. Be known for being a class that all of you, when you came out, you went on mission and served God. In 30 years time, looking at the class and say, you know, we committed together. We are still standing together. As a church, commitment to say, let us fix. Let us. 
Let, let's do it together. You know, Matthew, in Matthew, we find the story of Peter. And very brief in, in conclusion, Jesus said to him, come. Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. But then the Bible also tells us that he starts to look at the waves. And we know this passage. We know this story so well. He starts to look at the waves. And actually, looking at the circumstances, Peter lost the focus of the miraculous and the journey of faith. You know, distraction, when we lose focus, we can lose the focus on the miraculous. We can lose the miraculous. Because we are not focused on Christ, we can lose the power of today, the miraculous today, the journey of faith of today. These are all big losses. To lose our integrity and holiness, to lose your life, to lose your healing, to lose the manifestation of the power of God. It is very easy to lose our spiritual focus. It's not that difficult, let me tell you. This is not for the weak in the Lord. This is not just for the non-committed Christian. This is a reality for all of us, guys. This is a reality for all of us. It is a constant discipline to keep the focus. How can we, in conclusion, how can we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? Eliana, you've said it, but how do you do it? First of all, the shepherd is here. Oh, am I glad the shepherd is here and he will come into my wanderings. Because the shepherd, you see, will come into your wanderings. You are wandering. You know, I want to tell you, you are not lost. You are not lost. You're not a lost sheep. You are a bit of a wandering one. You like to... But the shepherd... Oh, the shepherd is here. He is the same yesterday and forever. He is here. His eyes are all going through and through the earth looking for those whose heart is committed towards them. Yeah, they are wondering. They've seen a green, but they are mine. I'm coming. You know what I love about Christ? He will leave the 99. Many think that God is rigid. He's a rigid master. But this story, this parable tells us that God will put the needs of one above the dutiful engagement of others. He will put mercy above rules and he will put joy above fulfillment. He says that when he found that he was so joyful, that it gave him more joy than the fulfillment of having another 99 They are there in the place where they should be. You can, first of all, in this question of how do I keep myself focused? You can, first of all, be assured that Christ is your shepherd and he will come in your wonder. You will never be alone. So take courage, take comfort with that. But in the second place, remember that your responsibility is looking at the hands of Christ, at Christ in his action. Many have developed a tendency or a practice to look at the mysticity of God. The contemplation of a deity who sits far removed from the activity and power that testifies to the very nature of who he is. So they have learned to gaze into the mystical part of God and looking at this deity, it's the theoretical symbolism of all the things that when he does, makes him who he is. But you know, the, the psalm that 
that we have read, it says that they, we ought to look at the hands. Look at the hands. Looking at the hands means looking at his work, his actions, his movement, his word, his methods, his presence and activity. And what I mean by that is you can't be looking just to a deity far removed from you. You have to spend your life focused on the hands of God. On what God does in the presence of God, in the activity of God. You need to fix on God being here. Christ being active in your life. It, this is not about fixing in the morning a contemplation for 20 minutes and then go away and do your own thing. No, this means a pathway of fixing on God's presence, activity, action in your life. My prayer, my prayer is that we may fix our eyes on Christ. Let us fix our eyes on Christ. The author and finisher of our faith. Why the author, he began it all, but he also finished it all. That's why we can fix on him and we can't fix on anybody else because he has completed, is a work complete. Imagine that when I was learning from my mom to knit, she never completed anything. What kind of lesson could that be? What kind of teacher could that be? But it was the completion. It's actually the completion that makes you uh, see someone as authority. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's not be wondering. <laughs> there are two sounds to ba. One is ba. Let's be a people that go around and say ba 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 ba. Change the sound. Let's change the sound. Let's make a sound of focus. Let's make a, a sound of direction. Let's make a sound of intention. Let's make a sound of commitment. Let's say, make a sound of surrender. Let's make a sound of worship. Let's make a sound of kingdom, which is the same. The Bible says that for the joy, in the same passage, for the joy put before him, he endured the cross. Let us focus. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.